This, this, this is you. KUT. KUT, Austin. Stop. This is KUT. I'm Jennifer Staten. Austin's newest police chief is not new to Austin. Brian Manley grew up in Austin, graduated from Johnston High School and then the University of Texas at Austin, and has been with APD since 1990. He's been interim police chief since former Chief Art Acevedo left Austin for Houston in November of 2016. Ever since the Austin serial bombing case wrapped up earlier this year, there have been calls by some for Manley to be appointed chief because of how well they thought he handled the case. There were also concerns raised by some groups about how Manley handled the case, especially when the victims of the first few bombings were people of color. Manley says he understands APD's relationships with some communities in Austin need improving. He says the challenges of the job are what have attracted him to it. You know, I think that moment, although I can't pinpoint when it was, you know, being the interim chief for as long as I was, a year and a half, and overcoming a lot of issues that faced us as a department, whether it was the DNA lab or having to sideline our police vehicles or the loss of the police contract. You know, we we had a lot of critical incidents occur during the time that I served as the interim. And the team that I have was fantastic. We've got a great relationship with the community and, and, and we work to continue that relationship. I really felt like uh, that I, I have more to give. And, and so, yes, my interest in being permanent, um, although I stated it from day one, I'd like the job permanently when they made me interim, it only grew as I as I got to continue to serve. Even with all of the difficulties you laid out, it almost sounded like that was enticing. I mean, others might have said, oh, with the lab closing and the problems with the vehicles, I don't want that job. But did that make you want it more because there were challenges? You know, I wish each and every one of those didn't occur, obviously, but you can't be the chief of a major city police department and not expect to have crises occur. What really I think was important to me was being an internal uh, person, having grown up in the organization, you know, having you know, strong connections with the community and within the department, I felt like I was best positioned to get our organization through those challenges. And that's what really kind of spurred even a greater interest, knowing that policing is always going to be in a state of change. And we're always going to be going from either one crisis to another or one uh, change that's necessary in the organization. I just felt like uh, my history with this community, my history in the department uh, really was beneficial during some of these challenges. And you're saying you, you grew up sort of through the APD ranks in your history of the community. You grew up in Austin. Yes, I did. How has that impacted sort of how you approach APD and also leading Austin police? Well, like I say, the department is men and women that I consider my family. And this community has been my family for, for a long time. Um, you know, my mother, my brothers, their families, are, they're, they're all here in Austin. So, you know, I'm, I'm very vested, not only just in my role as police chief to making sure the community is safe for everyone, but, you know, my family lives here too. Your predecessor, Chief Art Acevedo, left Austin to become police chief in Houston. How would you say that your style or your approach to the department or to leadership differs than Chief Acevedo's? You're smiling. I am smiling because <laughs> obviously anybody that knew Chief Acevedo and knows me, there are uh, very distinct differences. Where we share a lot is in our passion for policing, our passion for community policing, and really our love for the communities that we serve. I think that we are very similar there. Uh, where we differ is just maybe in how we outwardly express 
address that. Um, I'm a little bit more reserved in my communication style than Chief Acevedo, as you may have noticed. And I, I joke about that, you know, in the parade, he'll be the one that's on the float laughing and singing, and I'll be the one walking and shaking hands. But again, the love for the job and the community is shared. Given that difference, and you've described yourself as being a little more reserved in your communication. So what is it like for you during times such as the Austin serial bomber or a time when there is an officer involved shooting and you you go to that, you're on the scene and you're having to communicate information very quickly under difficult circumstances. What is that like for you? Well, that's a key part of being a police chief. And I'm fortunate in that I've had a lot of experience doing that. Even when Chief Acevedo was here, uh, there were times when he would be traveling and I would be filling in for him in his absence and would have to handle critical incidents. And then in my year and a half in the interim role, I had several of those. I guess what's really important is the community has an absolute need to know in some of these circumstances and you can't shy away from that and you have to be as transparent as possible. When I describe the differences between Chief Acevedo and I, it's not that I'm not comfortable getting up and answering it. I will just do it in in maybe a different style, a more reserved manner. What are your priorities now as you move into the permanent police chief position? So there's a couple things that I'll be focused on. Um, first of all, you know, the, the primary responsibility of the police department is to keep our community safe. So uh, making sure that we are utilizing our precious resources, our police officers, the men and women who serve this community to the best of our abilities in those areas where we're going to have the greatest impact on improving overall um, safety. Now, I'm also a firm believer in that policing is not something that can be done to a community, but has to be done with the community. And therefore, the work that we've done to build partnerships, um, both when I was interim and even before then, that work continues and, and actually is even more important now as we you know, continue to try and advance policing, as we recognize the importance of these relationships. And there are key components of that vision that bring in the importance of the role of the community. The community deserves a voice because we're here to serve the community. And so we will engage them in the conversations that we're going to have. So another priority is just building those relationships where they don't exist, strengthening the ones that do exist, and making sure that we're open to community input. What are the relationships that don't exist right now at the level you would like them that might be on that priority list for building and developing? I think the ones that maybe will will require some more focus, uh, and again, it's just relationships are, are always dynamic. A lot of issues that were addressed during my vetting process when I would go to the town hall meetings as well as on my interview panels, you know, there were concerns that were voiced by members of the community and members of the activist community on either disparities in policing and the outcomes of, of the actions that we take, uh, as well as just the uh, the culture of the department. So these are things that are important to me, and I will continue to engage with the community members that brought them forward and uh, you know continue to uh, hear from them to make sure that changes that we may consider implementing um, will we'll address the concerns that they brought forward. I know sp- some specific communities who brought forward concerns and have been communities of color. And I'm curious if there is anything specific that you as chief or that you see the department being able to do to improve, strengthen relationships there. 
outside of just the work we'll continue to do to collaborate and communicate, there are specific policy issues that we're looking at. And one of those is how we handle low-level violations of the law, whether we choose to arrest or whether we choose to use a site and release program that the the department has. The discretionary arrests? We look at the outcomes of those discretionary arrests and which communities are impacted the most. And I see room for improvement. Um, It takes a lot of time when an officer chooses to arrest someone. And that's why we have the site and release program that we have. So I want to make sure that we're following that program in the manner in which it was intended. And therefore, we should reduce some of the impacts that it has on certain communities across the city if we follow those practices when it's appropriate and feasible. The city council directed city manager Spencer Conk and you to get together and sort of talk about a way to do away with discretionary arrests when it's possible. So you're supportive of giving officers little more options there? Yeah, so officers have the discretion right now. What I want to ensure is that we have policies for a reason. And if an officer is going to make a discretionary arrest when the site and release is an option, our policy says they need to get supervisor approval. So I want to make sure that the supervisors are, in fact, being consulted in those cases so that we make sure we're making the best decision. And there are times when someone may be eligible for site and release, but there is an uh, extenuating circumstance why in that moment it's not appropriate. And so we have to reserve the right in those circumstances to make the custody arrest, but that should by far be the exception and not the norm. So I want to bring back some words that you said during that vetting process when you did some community forums with folks during the process of potentially appointing you as, as permanent chief, kind of a vision statement that you laid out went like this. We want to be a department that is trusted and respected by all and that collaborates with our community to make Austin the safest city in America. There's three components of that. And and I rewrote the vision statement for a purpose. And I'm unveiling it now because I didn't want to bring forward my vision for the department, not knowing if I would be the permanent chief. And then you have a new chief who comes in and wants to implement a new vision. So although I didn't hold back on making change to the department and reorganizing the department during my interim period, this was one that I really left towards the end because I felt like it really was setting the the department up for the way that I wanted. The three key components are to be trusted and respected by all. We have to have trust and respect if we're to be seen as legitimate. And the only way we're going to get trust and respect is through the relationship building that we're working on and ensuring that our practices are procedurally just. So there's going to be a lot of work done in in that avenue. And then in collaboration with the community, it's important that the community has a voice and that we're hearing from them. We're real good at identifying things that we see as problems in the community, whether it be violent crime or property crime or or the things that are just there. What we don't always understand are maybe some of those smaller issues that are really impacting a neighborhood's quality of life, but that might not show up on one of the metrics or things that we track. So we're going to work real hard to get feedback from neighborhood level groups that can tell us what's important in their neighborhood. So when officers do have discretionary time, time that they're not tied down to taking calls and and, and working traffic, that we can make sure we're focusing on things that are important to that particular neighborhood or part of Austin instead of just what we think is important. And then the last piece really is, and I was told it was pretty aspirational and maybe not to put it in there, but I think it's important and that's to be the safest city in America. If we're not striving to be the safest city in America, then we're not giving it our best. Where does Austin sit right now in 
rankings or lists of safe cities. How is Austin doing right now? Austin is a pretty safe city for a major city. We're the fifth safest major city when it comes to violent crime. But when I talk about that, I always also want to give the caveat that not all parts of Austin feel like the fifth safest city in the country. And frankly, not all... All of Austin is is that safe. We know that we have pockets where crime concentrates and we focus our efforts in those areas to try and, again, reduce the crime in those neighborhoods so that everyone has the opportunity to experience the same Austin. So you want everybody in every neighborhood to feel like they live in the safest city in the country? Absolutely. And yes, that's aspirational. But if we're not striving for that, then we're not pushing ourselves hard enough. What are the cities between Austin and number one? Do you know? Oh, El Paso pops up ahead of us. Uh, San Diego mm-hmm. pops up ahead of us. There's, there's, it, 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 every year we do this, uh, this review, and um, you know Austin's been higher in the past. Um, part of the reason we've dropped to number five is we have had an increase in violent crime a couple years ago, and then also cities are added to this list year by year depending upon their population growth. Where do things stand with contract negotiations between the city of Austin and the Austin Police Department? Police have been without a contract for a while now. Yes, since December, we've been without a contract. The negotiations have been ongoing throughout this year, and they're ongoing right now. Uh, both teams continue to meet, both the uh, la- the organized labor group along with the city management and the city leadership team. So those negotiations are underway, and uh, they have worked through several articles in the contract and have tentative agreements in place, and uh, they're continuing to work to try and reach agreement on other issues that have yet to be discussed. Do you know what those last issues are? The bigger issues, obviously, will be anything involving pay and benefits and then police oversight. So I'm curious about morale in the Austin Police Department. You mentioned pay still an issue in the negotiations. Recently, the city council voted not to reinstitute some pay for officers who work particular shifts, who had a college degree or certain kinds of training. How is morale within the department these days? You know, the police association, I know I've seen a a report that they're going to do a survey on morale. So I think we'll have a definitive answer here maybe in a month based on the survey that they do. What I can talk about is just my experience and what I see. Um, I'm fortunate in headquarters. That's where the currently the officers show up to testify in municipal court cases. So very rarely will I walk by that room without going in and talking to the officers. And, you know, some of the officers are really struggling. Um, If you were receiving several of those stipends, they valued a little over $1,000 a month. And so these are usually the officers that are at the lowest end of the pay scale. And although we're a, a very well compensated, you know, department, uh, you know, $1,000 a month is, is, is impacting some of these officers to where they're either having to work additional shifts or an overtime job, or they're having to um, cut back on maybe things that they were doing. So it's a real issue for several of the officers, and that's why I am hopeful that we will find our way back into a meet and confer agreement uh, sooner rather than later. Do you ever worry about Austin losing officers to other cities because of an issue like pay? Things like this can create a situation where officers leave. I know the uh, union president has called me and told me that Fort Worth is reaching out to our officers now, making them offers to go work for them. I've heard other cities are doing the same, that, uh, that officers have to make that decision. You know, it's an individual decision that each and every officer has to make based on their circumstances. Uh, just before coming here, I was in a meeting with my entire command staff, and, you know, I just asked them to have real conversations with their 
their officers, letting them know that this is a moment in time for us as an organization. And it's a difficult moment, but it's a moment in time and not to make a rash decision to leave the Austin Police Department for what may appear to be greener pastures in somebody else's organization because we're going to get through this. I don't know what it'll look like on the back end and I don't know how long it may take, but every police department is going to go through issues like this. And so I really was asking my command team to make sure they're having real conversations with the officers so that no one just makes that rash decision and leaves um, just because they're upset or they're, um, you know, demoralized by, by recent events. Is APD staffed where you would like it to be? Or is there a request for more staffing? Where do things stand with that? We address staffing issues every year in the department. We've had two reports issued in the past six years. One was the PERF report back in, I believe, 2012 that identified a shortage of 257 officers. And then we had the matrix study that was completed two years ago. And I believe that one said we were short 168 officers. So I don't think anybody would argue that we're short on officers. People may not agree on how many we need. My job is to put forth what I think is a reasonable request for officers, and I'm basing that on the professional studies that were done by outside organizations that were hired to come in and do an analysis of our department, and I think that we should follow their advice. So I'm putting together a budget recommendation that follows their advice. It's a lot of officers, and that comes with a heavy price tag, but at the end of the day, I will be tasked with practicing the best policing and implementing the best policies based on what we're given. I'm curious, Chief, if you can talk just a little bit about SB4 and how that has impacted work for your officers' work in the city. Some of that litigation has settled down. There's still a a portion of it that is not resolved yet, but where do things stand with that and how has that impacted the work of APD? So going through the vetting process and the town hall meetings, you know, it did come up at times that we still had immigrant communities that were fearful of the police, again, because they were fearful of being deported. SB4, you know, kind of brought that into focus because communities became concerned that local police departments would be used as an arm of the federal government for immigration enforcement. So it's still a real issue for many in our community. We are a police department that is absolutely going to comply with the law. And so SB4 is still working its way through the courts, but we have a policy now that reflects the most recent court ruling. And we do cooperate with ICE uh, per the requirements of that policy. But then we're also making sure that we're collecting the appropriate data so that we can report those times when we do and and, and we vet each request um, through the supervisory levels to make sure that it's an appropriate request and that our actions are compliant with SB4. There aren't a lot of people who know what it's like to be the chief of police of a major city. What is the job like? Each day is something different. You know, there are things that we know we're going to deal with every day. We're going to deal with crime trends and making sure that we're addressing those crime trends. You live with the concern that you have men and women. I have 1,908 positions in my department that frequently may be in harm's way based on the calls that they're sent to. We train them the best that we can, and we expect a lot out of them. So that's always in the back of your mind is just the safety of the men and women that, you know, not only are they part of your family, but you feel a strong sense of responsibility for. And then I have a community of almost a million people. And when you sit back and think that you really sit in that position that is not solely responsible, but has a really strong responsibility for the safety of all of those men and women who who call our great city home, 
it is uh, it is it's kind of an awesome responsibility, but it's one that I love. It's one that I've had 28 years to prepare for within the Austin Police Department, and I'm fortunately surrounded by a lot of police professionals, both within my organization and those others that serve Austin, that we're all committed to working collaboratively to keep in our city the great city that it is and a safe city. Brian Manley is Chief of Police for the City of Austin, will officially be sworn in Friday afternoon. Chief Manley, thank you so much for your time today. Great. Thank you so much.